action movie survivor. When I'm not busy trying to avoid massive superhero battles with people getting thrown through walls or, or dodging giant robots about to step on me, I'm listening to the Part-Time Fanboy Podcast. Be sure to check out Part-Time Fanboy at parttimefanboy.com for somewhat weekly podcasts and reviews about various fanboy-related subjects. Do it now, because the robo-pocalypse is coming! Part-Time Fanboy. I believe we are ready to go. Oh. What? We're just going to start like that? <laughs> That's, we, we always <laughs> just jump in. We always right. just jump in. You okay. Obviously don't listen to the podcast enough, sir. Well, it's, <laughs> I assume there's editing. Like was, There is editing. <laughs> there is editing. Okay. Let's jump right in, as we were saying. We're yeah, no, 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 no. Let's talk about your, like, like. This great new book that, you know, you've got coming out. And let's just say right off the bat, because I always screw up the introductions. Uh, uh, this is Part-Time Fanboy, the Part-Time Fanboy podcast. My name is Christian Horn. I have a very special returning guest, David A. Rodriguez. I always want to stick the A in there. Um, I appreciate it. <laughs> what does the A stand for? Let's let people know. I don't know if we ever got well, into that in our last I'm interview. I'm not sure. Well, so the A stands for Alejandro, nice. which is my father's first name. Nice. Um, I'm actually, my younger brother is the junior. Okay. Um, which is a little atypical until you're like, oh, I'm named after a dead person. <laughs> oh, so wow. Like, like dead people, like dead friends, Trump, um, like the, the junior. Got so, it. My dad had a friend who died when he, when my dad was still in high school, oh. named, named David. Yeah. And so obviously the firstborn son is going to be named after his dead friend. And so that's me. Um, and uh, he told me that story once. Like, so we, uh, I grew up in the same neighborhood my father did. Oh, okay. And um, we would go swimming at Calumet Park, which is like, you know, right by the lake. And there's like uh, these ledges of rocks, like steps of rocks that people can like sit on. And then like you can sort of like just jump in and go swimming. I'm sure it's not, it wasn't supposed to be because yeah. it's all like metal girders, like supporting the rock wall. Yeah. But like we would all go swimming there. And then one day I remember telling my dad, I'm like, okay, I'm going to Cal Park. We're going to go swimming. And he was like, okay, have fun. Hey, be careful. The guy we named you after died diving off those rocks. Oh. And I was like, Okay. Yeah. <laughs> like right as you're about to go out the yeah. door. Wow. 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 Yeah. That's that's rough. That is heavy. That is a heavy thing to go into. Yeah. Oh, well. So the A is my father's first name, who is Alex. Gotcha. Um, gotcha. So that's my, my middle initial. I also started using it because when I started in games, um, there was also, there's in, in comics, there's another David Rodriguez. Sure. Who I get. They're like, hey, did you color Scooby Doo? And I was like, I did not. <laughs> did you color Scooby Doo? That's and there's great. another 
uh, there's another game developer. And so the initial just helps. Sure. Know, and so it stuck since then. Absolutely. It's kind of like when you're in like, or an actor, like you're in SAG and it's like, oh, this mm. person has the same exact name. Damn, I have to change it from like Michael Douglas to Michael Keaton or whatever. <laughs> like, you know, right. like, like, yeah, you stand out. Like it's a, you know, and I'm sure there's a lot of David Rodriguez is out there. So luckily yeah, there's, there's not, a couple. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sure. I'm sure. I'm sure. There's not a ton of Christian horns out there. Although as I get older, you know, you do a Google search, which, you know, I've never done, but people have been like, did you know that this person, and I'm like, oh my God, there's others of me out there. Apparently there's like a sociologist in like Norway or something. Like, I don't know, somebody famous, like a educator. Awesome. I'm like, I have no, I, I, I never met anybody named Christian with a K growing up. Now they're all over the place. Anyway. Yeah. 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 We're not here to talk about that. names, names, <laughs> but, well, uh, well, thank you I, for having me back, Christian. I really, uh, I'm really excited to be back on your show. Yeah, well, I'm excited to have you because I actually, uh, you were here last for a book called Finding Gossamer or Gossamer, uh, mm-hmm. Tomato, Tomato. We kind of went through that in the last interview. It was, it was almost like a year and a half ago, I think, that we've... Uh, yeah, it was late. about that. Maybe a little, I, like time, it was during the COVID. So it's yeah, I think very, so. It's like, a, it's like a blurry window. I'm like, was it two years? Was it 10 years? I don't remember. I, <laughs> all I know I was in a different room in the house. Yeah. So that's that's the only way I can tell time. But yeah, we we talked about Gossamer back then. The, yeah. The relaunch yeah. of the the mini trade coming out and Volume Two coming out. Yeah, yeah. But this is not that. This is something completely different and something uh, just as awesome. I should say. Well, thank you. I have it. You you supplied me with a digital copy, and um, this book is great. It's called Battle Max. And Correct. that's Mex with an M E X, right? Not Mex right. as in C H, right? right. Um, and is this a, like a Kickstarter, or I wasn't quite sure, like, or is this coming out through a publisher? Like, how is this uh, like working? I wasn't quite, uh, you know, up to speed on like what's going on with this book. Uh, so it will be, it is going to be a Kickstarter. Okay. Um, the Kickstarter goes live next month, actually, like towards the end of February. Oh, gotcha, gotcha. The- the pre-launch page is up, so you can follow it on Kickstarter right now for updates. Um, but it will be – I have talked to publishers about it. Okay. And I've worked with a lot of different publishers over the years, and I've had different experiences. And I still work with 3WS, and we have a great relationship. Um, but what I've discovered is like in my day-to-day life, most of my job um, is like discussions and yeah. sort of like, okay – talking about creative ways to do things or like how to do things creatively. And I love my work and I love working with my team, but sometimes you just want to make something yeah. and not talk to anybody about it. Right. You like, you just want to make it and just make it exactly the way you want it without yeah. any other input. And so for battle Max, I decided that because of where I was in life, like, you know, I do have i I'm fortunate enough to have a full-time job. Yeah then I can just do this book the way I want it and I can distribute it through Kickstarter Mm. to start. Like we may partner with a publisher at a later date, but for now I just kind of wanted to do it exactly the way I wanted it. And so it's going through Kickstarter through my creative label that I've been using for a few years, um, which is Tres Luchas, which represents myself, my brother and my wife. Like, like we, like the the things that we kind of work on either separately or together. Um, Like my wife, um, has a book that she has been working on that um, is going to be coming out through 3WS. Oh. 
um, which talks about like, um, like it's a lot to do with like mental health and things that um, she's very passionate about and things that she's experienced. And my brother was very involved in sort of the creation of battle mechs and has been a big supporter like throughout my life. And obviously was part of like the story of Gossamer and that sort of thing as well. Gotcha. Gotcha. I, um, so is your wife's book, is that going to be a comic or is it like a book book or is it like, it's going to be a, um, sort of like an adult children's book. Oh, and we got, you got to bring her on. You got to have her. We got to have her on. She can give me all the hot goss will. on you, all the hot yeah. gossip on like what's going on in your household and stuff. I don't know that I'm going to agree to that, but I will let her know. <laughs> <laughs> it's available. Uh, we'll, we'll talk about like approval for cuts. <laughs> sure, <laughs> sure, sure. But for now, it's battle mix, and I, you know, I got to say. Um, I had a very, I mean, I'm half Latinx, Latino, you know, Hispanic, yep. whatever we want to call ourselves these days. I'm not trying yep. to offend anyone, uh, but I'm, you know, I'm half Colombian, you know, grew mm -hmm. up, uh, you know, mostly with that side of my family because my, I've mentioned in the podcast, my father passed when I was younger. And mm -hmm. so my mother is Colombian and she raised me, you know, along with my grandmother and my uncles, like in New York City. And I lived in South America for a year. So I very... I do not look like the stereotypical, you know, quote unquote, you know, I look like square jawed white guy, you know, with light eyes and all that. But mm -hmm. I very heavily identify, you know, with that Latinx part of my family. But I'm in like in a weird space, you know what I'm saying? Like in a headspace, yeah, I, like I, growing up. I absolutely understand. I mean, I'm also from a mixed background. My father is Mexican. Yeah. Uh, my mother is Haitian and Italian. Oh, wow. But I grew up in South Chicago. Like I grew up in in the same way that you did. Like I grew up with all of my 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 father's family. Yeah. In my like we lived in a so my grandmother's house, my grandparents' house was like a the weird Chicago thing, which is like a three flat, which had like a an apartment on the top and two apartments on the bottom, one in the front and the back. And like my cousins lived across the street and next door. Like that's how I grew up in that kind of neighborhood. Right. Yeah. And, um, it was the same neighborhood my father grew up in. So it kind of steeped in that, um, culture of, you know, Mexicans who grew up in Chicago, like third generation Mexicans, um, who are still sort of heavily influenced by our culture, Yeah, but don't speak Spanish. Yeah. Um. No, I speak, I'm, I'm first generation. So I was lucky enough to, I didn't think Good I was job. fortunate when I was a kid. Cause I, I yeah. had it kind of hammered into me. And again, I did live in South America, so I can speak some Spanish. It's not perfect. Uh, unfortunately, my wife and uh, like family that I live with in LA don't speak Spanish, but other people in LA speak Spanish. So I was lucky. So, so, but you're not, you're not a Spanish speaker right now or? No, I, um, it wasn't spoken in my home sure. and actually not even like in my extended family a lot. And so I'm learning Spanish now. Oh, gotcha. gotcha. And trying to like, you know, sort of, uh, my brain is not as flexible as it would have been back then. And also I oh, probably sure. wouldn't, I wouldn't have studied it as well back then, but I'm, I'm, I'm trying to learn and I'm not confident in it. And I guess what I'm working on now is trying to be okay with not being confident at it and sort of stumbling through it. Yeah. And that being okay. That is my daily existence, especially here in LA where it's like, you know, I, I like to try and talk it or, or, mm -hmm. or speak it to my, my own mother who sometimes teases me for saying, you know, which is like, 
my wife was always like, why does she teach? You know, she makes, you know, it makes you more self-conscious. And I'm like, I know it's just been a thing. Sorry. I love you, mom. I'm just saying like, that's the way it, it works. That's how it but, is. Well, I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, that, that is exactly how it is. They, yeah. She, like, no, no, she's not being mean. That's affection. It's okay. Yeah, 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 <laughs> exactly. Exactly. But let's talk about the book Battle Mix okay. because this got me excited very much in a way that, I don't know if you went to see it, but like the Blue Beetle movie got me excited. Oh, yeah. I loved the Blue Beetle movie so much. So good. I mean, just for people like, you know, us or me. And it's funny because like, again, people who look at me would not be like, oh, this is you. But there were so many like family things in that movie where I was just like, holy cow, like this, this was my family. And you know what I mean? Like. Just the, you know, I, I was talking about it in a podcast a couple of weeks ago because we have an, I had another creator I was chatting about. His book is Monster Matador and he's not Latinx, uh, but he, his character is a matador from Mexico. But we were mm-hmm. always chatting about like how books featuring Latin characters were lame growing. It was all terrible. And just <laughs> seeing Blue Beetle like on a big screen like that triggered something in me the same thing that your book has done because i was reading it and i was like oh shit like this is different i mean it's different in a way that like when i went to see the black panther movie the first black panther Mm -hmm. movie i was like holy shit like we've never seen anything like this before like a society that was never take you know conquered by you know the european colonialists and you, you know what right. I'm saying? So, so talk about your book. Cause I will ramble on and on and babble, you know, go <laughs> well, off I on would, tangents, but I'm gonna we don't want to talk about blue beetle, awesome. although it was great. Oh. Yeah, I do love blue beetle. And I'm so glad that it's, that it is starting. Like you're seeing so much more of our culture sort of being just represented in different ways. Um, yeah. and so, so growing up, I had a very similar experience, right? Like we had, like, I loved, Zorro growing up. Like I was Zorro like three times. Right. And I didn't, I didn't think about it at the time, but like he was one of my favorite characters and it didn't occur to me then that it was because he seemed familiar to me. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, and then we had like El Dorado who was questionable as a character. Like, yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. He was like, okay, I get it. Um, like it's nice that he's on the team. I don't understand his powers. Yeah. Um, (laughs) What does he do? And he's not (laughs) in the comics. And he's not in the comics, and so he was only in the cartoon. Um, and then, like, it kind of drops off quickly from there, like, when yeah. you're young. And as you get older, they start rolling in some characters, but they're usually leaning heavily into, like, stereotypes yes. of, of Mexican or, or Latinx culture. And Icaramba, so, like, yeah. 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 They say Icaramba and, a lot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. And I'm like, I don't, I've never said that. And so, <laughs> yeah, exactly. And so for me, um, so me and my, so the story of how this started in is kind of weird, right? So I'm sitting with my brother and we're just kind of, uh, hanging out and talking, talking about like games and cause we work on like, you know, tabletop games and other things. And we're talking about, um, luchadors. Yeah. And when we were little, um, I don't know if you ever had these, but like, um, whenever my grandparents or they would visit, um, they, they had a house in Texas like right in Laredo. And so they would go to Mexico and they would bring us back these, um, wrestling rings. Yeah. Um, that were made of just like cheap wood and it had posts. And then what you would do is you would take rubber bands 
to create like the ropes. That's awesome. Like, you would just string rubber bands, and then they would bring you just a bag of luchadors. Nice. And so it was all these like plastic molded wrestlers in different like like there's like three or four different poses. But what they would do is like paint them all different colors and put like little like capes and like masks and stuff on them to create like this whole army of like colorful wrestlers, right? And so we would play with those forever. Like we would just wrestle and we would bounce them off the ropes and we would do those things. But like that was that was one of like my like core memories as a child, right? Was like these wrestling rings and the luchadors. And so we're talking about luchadors and how fucking awesome luchadors are, right? Yeah. And we started talking about um, like sort of luchadors and so it went into like like driving mechs like like big old like 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 they were like they're like luchador uh, but they're like robots and these other things and so my brother said that he's like yeah they're gonna be like in battle mechs and i and this is a stupid thing but this is actually true i'm like did you say mechs like m-e-c-h like you did at the beginning or like m-e-x and he's like i meant M-E-C-H, but that's awesome. It's just battle <laughs> mechs. It's just big Mexican robots, like luchadors, punching each other. And that's kind of just how it became a thing. Yeah. And then for at least, it took years, I think, to like hone in on what it was I actually wanted to do with it. But like that was sort of like the start of the idea. And then yeah. we just had like a, a Google Doc where we started listing out like, who are the characters? What are the story? What is the world? And like, there's like a history document and there's a, there's just like a world document to kind of just flesh out what it meant because I attacked it from like multiple angles to, to figure out what I wanted to do with the story. And what I realized I wanted to do was to create uh, sort of my version of a superhero team that I would have wanted. Yeah. When I was young and or something like, or my kid would have wanted because when, when he was little, because his favorite character growing up was Miles Morales. Yeah. And for obvious reasons, right? Like sure. he's like, oh, he's like me. I love that guy. And so that was, that was his. And so I just wanted to take like all the things that I grew up with that influenced me and influenced my writing and influenced my excitement as a kid and sort of just all bring it together in one story. Yeah. Um, and just have the most fun I've ever had with a book. Like that's really all I wanted to do was just like, how can I tell this, this story about um, a version of Mexico that was never conquered and it wasn't conquered because they had giant mechs. <laughs> and that's the, <laughs> that's the whole story, right? It's like, like Cortez comes over and he's like, oh, I'm going to conquer Mexico. And then you have these, these heroes that sort of rise from um, like the mythology of, you know, Aztec culture. And I'm going to butcher the words horribly. And I apologize to anybody, any native speaker who is listening. I apologize for saying it wrong, but the, the Nahuales um, who are like essentially shapeshifters, they had like animal totems that they would shapeshift into, which is kind of the mythology that we're borrowing for the heroic characters that have these gems um, and then there's also this race of giants that like built the palace of the gods. And so that is the mythology that we're also borrowing to say like, that's what the, the mechs are. They weren't actually like actual, like modern, like mecha robots, but they yeah. are sort of like these techno organic Aztec creations that were made by the gods that they used to like, that were piloted 
in the 1500s by the gem wielders to defeat the army of of Cortez and the colonials. But um, we also wanted to lay some supernatural influence in there. And so I don't know if they have this in Colombia, but like when I was growing up, if you wanted to terrify your children and you're Mexican, um, they would say, go to bed or the cuckoo man's going to get you. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Um, which I later learned was not a thing for white people. Um, <laughs> yeah. But it was shorthand for like, you know, El Cucuy, um, El Cuco, like it's all the same boogeyman character. Sure. That they would use on us as children and they'd be like, the Cuckoo Man's coming. And I'd be like, oh shit, like everybody. Yeah, <laughs> like, no, a- my mom just got the belt. So like, just yeah. got the belt. <laughs> it was like so that. just real life terror. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Again, love you, mom. <laughs> yeah. But- <laughs> Yeah. And so he is the villain that was sort of um, who was with Cortez in the story. Like he was it was uh, it's an evil that was brought to the Aztec culture from Europe, essentially, and in search of like the the deep magic and other like uh, power that was um, that was in this part of the in this part of the world. And so that. Uh, is our our main evil is the boogeyman essentially so El Cuco and so that is kind of like where the story began for me and like where I started building out the world and um, I've just been having a blast yeah yeah no I mean everything in the I mean it's really funny because as I was picking up the book like that's the funny thing right like I was like battle mechs oh okay this is a this is different from finding Gossamer like I was just like okay this isn't what he was doing before, but I was like battle mechs. Okay. And in my brain, like the MEX didn't calculate when I first saw it, I was like, okay, this is like an anime sort of like thing that he's doing. Like, and then like when I actually sat down to read the book, I was like, Oh wait, when I looked at the title, I was like mechs, that's different. And then I, you know, just knowing your own history and stuff, I was like, is this what I think it's going to be? And then (laughs) like, I started reading it and I was like, Oh, it's even beyond that. Like, like I, it's funny because I, I want to let people know we're talking about very, you know, interesting and like, you know, broad sort of subjects, you know, that, that some people might find like, like heavy and stuff, but this isn't that sort of thing. Like, it's just the spine of the world that, that, that this inhabits is, I mean, it's, it reminded me a little bit of Black Panther, right? Like where Black Panther was like, oh, this society that had never been colonized, you know, and, right. and reading this and then you know having sort of been subjected to or or not subjected but watched um john leguizamo's latin history for morons uh several years ago i you know this sort of thing was just like wow holy cow and like make no mistake my heritage is apparently my uncle did a dna test and it's like 60 percent spain so we (laughs) we were some of the colonizers but um you know, but still just looking at this and, and the concept of this and it interweaves like that, the ideas of like Black Panther, but like in the Lat- Latinx community. And then, uh, but it's also got like Power Rangers or like, to me, it was like Battle of the Planets or Gotcha Man mm-hmm. sort of thing. And like, it's right. got like all these amazing influences and you took it and you made it into like this giant, you know, great dish of influences that has made it something like completely new and fresh. So I, I mean, I don't even know that's a question. It's just like, I'm trying to let people know like what this is 
and how interesting it is and, and like how great just the idea of pulling all this stuff together and just, you know, putting the Latin stamp on it and being like, yeah, it's got all this, but you know, the spine is, is, you know, my cultural heritage. Right. Right. Yeah. And I think I'm, I really appreciate you pointing out that that is the, I guess the, the back part of the world. Like this is the thing that is that the, the story is set against, but yeah. it's not what the story is about. Cause I didn't set out like, you can't not comment like, Every, every story is commentary, right? Yeah. Like you are saying something, but the goal wasn't to be like, hey, I want to do a social commentary story. It is, I want to tell a fun superhero story that is built on a world that reflects a possibility and also like has some social commentary threaded in, but, but that's because it's part of the characters. Like it's yeah. part of the story. Um, and one of the more the more interesting one for me was like the relationship. There's the, the three characters, right? So you have the two characters that are native to the story or to the, to the country, New Atlan, Um, and then you have the adopted sister, yeah. um, Jessalyn, um, who is named for, um, my, my wife and mother-in-law. Oh. Um, and so she is essentially like, she's a white, she's the white character in the book who is essentially in, like she was born in that country, but her parents immigrated from the United States and her parents had to, her parents were deported, but she's adopted by like the mom of the main character. Yeah. And so she is the inverse of what we normally see in the stories, right? Where it's the, you know, the Latinx character who is struggling with like, where do I belong? I was born here in America. Um, but, and, or like myself, right? Like I don't speak Spanish, but I'm born here in America and I'm, I might like, know, I identify as, as Mexican, but like, like true, true Mexicans are like, well, you don't, you don't speak Spanish. And so like, sometimes yeah. there's like, you know, like you're, you're not from Mexico and you're not from the United States. You're this in between sort of thing. And so making that sort of the, you know, the Caucasian character in this story, um, I found interesting for me to like, kind of like make her the lens for that and for that experience in there. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, one of the things you've got in this book and it, you know, I mean, especially just like kind of in the climate that we're in right now. I mean, you've taken sort of the the immigration thing is in here, but you've kind of mm -hmm. flipped it, right? Like you've made it, whereas there's still kind of like xenophobic like people, but this time it's more like, yeah, I mean, it's kind of been flipped, like you said, where it's like there is this guy running for office, right? And he is basically mm -hmm. talking about the the immigration problem and how can we let them in, you know, like what, what about these sort of, um, you know, uh, you know, like for the, the, the term that the right likes to use, like anchor baby, like all this, right. you know, horrible stuff that's going on in our society, but you taken it in this book and very much kind of like smartly flipped it. And it's just like it, like, what are your thoughts on that too? Because it just seems like, uh, no matter what society is, there's always going to be like some awful jackasses who are like, <laughs> right? Like, I mean, right. I, that's just it, right? Kind of? Yeah. I think for me, I didn't want to portray like, like, hey, if it hadn't been colonized, it would have been perfect. Sure. Absolutely. Right? Like I can't. And so I felt like even in that, even in that version of the society that we are designing, that was designed in the book, um, there will be the people who are saying like, 
this is ours and we don't want to share it yeah um with those who are different and yeah. i think that is going to be true no matter what and so i think yes like while i was writing it i was heavily influenced by a lot of the rhetoric rhetoric that is going around and it's like it's going around today we're still having that discussion yeah it's still a ridiculous major issue and it, yeah. yeah go on and so it is part of that character's journey and part of that character's story and like part of like that sort of another like horrible person in the story yeah that is not this like it's sort of like that's the real world um a villain i guess whereas yeah. you also have the supernatural villain so like it's kind of tied um i did try to just make it i, I will admit i tried to just do like straight preposterous like all the time like everything was just like not grounded and I, I guess I can't that is not a way I can do the story like I just wanted to like I'm like maybe I can just do like something fun and I won't have any of this you know we won't talk about the immigration thing or we won't talk like it'll just be like yeah you know it'll be a light surface touch and I wasn't able to connect with the story that way I had I had several misses with kicking off the book like I have two different five page versions of the book that got shelved like they just oh, wow they just weren't working yeah um and when i found my way into the story it was still through the characters and that is i guess always going to be true for me and so um once i realized what their journey was going to be and what it was they were working on i still was able to find just the fun sort of like um, over the top things that you were mentioning, like the Power Rangers and Battle of the Planets and like those super and Voltron, like just those influences that were such a major part of my life growing up and being able to fold it into this world influenced by my culture. Yeah. Is yeah. kind of how I wanted to do it rather than the other way around, if that makes sense. Sure, sure. No, no, that totally makes sense. I mean, that's the thing is like, the, the very kind of impressive thing that I felt like while reading this book, it's not, you know, I mean, as much as I love Blue Beetle, it is a, a, a Latin character who, you know, it's like, oh, we stuck the manga thing on it. Like, you know what I mean? Whereas mm -hmm. your thing, you know, and I'm not disparaging Blue Beetle or the comic book. I read those comic books. I thought they were great. You know, Jaime Reyes, like, go, you know, like, I'm all about it. Like, you know, but I mean, there is always that sort of thing when you're working within a corporate sort of structure where it's like, okay, let's take this. And let's face it, Blue Beetle was a white guy originally. Like, you know, yeah. it's, this seems very much like you've created a world and it's got aspects of these things, but you've done a really good job of making it all seem like it's part of this new culture, right? Instead of like tacked on. Am I making any sense there? No, that does. I think I think that was the, the intention. Like these are all the accepted parts of the world. Like these are the like it's influenced by the rules of, of anime, right? Like we're going to shout out our power. So like that's going to happen. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. Like that's because that's one of the rules, right? And and it's funny. I sat down with my son, and I, I was like, I was like, Jaden, I want you to tell me what you feel like the rules, like what has to be in a Super Sentai. That's great. And he told me the things, um, like that 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 they need to do. Like, what are the expectations when he is is experiencing one of those things? And like he he actually helped me walk those things through. Um, and so there's five gems but there's only three characters and so 
obviously we're going to have five characters at some point, right? Yeah. And there's five. They have to have their unique color, right? They have to yeah. have. They have to shout out their powers. Like there's just rules um, that you have to, and the world just sort of accepts that, right? Like that, the world folds that in, and everybody is like, that was. I think the most important part to me was that I needed to be sincere about it. Yeah. And I really didn't want to try to do it in a ironic deconstructed manner Yeah. where they're doing it, but they're like, why do we got to do that? Like, why do we got to call yeah, it? Yeah, 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 like, yeah, yeah. Like I get it. Like I get that moment, but like, that's not this book for me. Like in this book, like they never do that. Like you never watch, you know, you never watch Battle of the Planets or Gotcha Man or you never watch Power Rangers where they're like, why do we got to call out? Why do we got to say Stegosaurus? Like, it's just the rules. Yeah. And everybody accepts it and it's cool. And then yeah. they move on. And so for me, I really wanted to bring that sincerity to the world where it's like, like there's one bit where she teases him about the name he picked, but that's really it. Like that's, yeah, that's, that's just, yeah, uh, we got to talk about the names cause it's great. Okay. Like, like it's one of, one of, I had to read it again and then I had to look up Google translate to make sure that I was like, am I reading this right? Like, because there's princess Wera. Right. Yeah. And I was just yeah. like, wait, where is like what guys used to call me when I was waiting ta tables like like, <laughs> yeah. you know, they would be like, oh, once they figured out I spoke Spanish, they were like, mm -hmm. where, where And then, you know, the Beck name song kind of came out. And I was like, that's white guy. Right. Like that is or like light skinned, like Latin. And, and I had to look it up and I was like, OK, all right, I'm fine with it. Like, so <laughs> talk to me about the names because the names are great. Like one guy calls himself what Tres Leches, which is like Leches. a cake. cake. That, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's a cake. Yeah. So you have the, the three characters and they're each assigned to an animal and they have their code names. Right. Yeah. And so you have the, the main character, um, Elisa, who named for my grandmother, yeah. um, who whose totem is the hummingbird. And the hummingbirds like very important in Aztec culture. There's a, a myth that they are the uh, sort of the spirits of like dead warriors. Yeah. And so and then her code name is um, Aralida One. Aralita was like a um, a historical figure, like a woman soldier. And so like that is the name that she takes. Um, and so as the leader character, like she's, you know, she is the most straight, like she's the straight arrow, like, and she's dealing with her, um, her, you know, she's got her mom who's essentially, you know, Sarah Connored her because her mom knew the boogeyman was returning. And so her mom sort of raised her daughter to like fight that war. And so like, that is her struggle. Um, but the other two characters are the ones who sort of stray from like the, like, okay, like, like Elisa could appear in a regular story. Like, okay, I get her. Like she could be a regular superhero. Yeah. But then you have the other two characters, right? And so you have Carlos, um, who is the Jaguar. And so Jaguar also like Aztec Knights, that is like an animal that's very important. Um, but his code name is Tres Leches, like the cake. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. I don't believe we see it in the first issue, but like on the Kickstarter page, it even says it. So his power is he splits into three. Oh. So he splits into three. He, so he has other ones. Like he has his claws and he has like super speed, like the Jaguar and he has his sword, but like his main ability is to split into three. And when he splits into three, his costume actually becomes one color. So he's essentially like three layers. Oh my God. That is hysterical. And, and so his name is Tres Leches. And that was one of the things I, I don't know if my brother came up with that one, but I'm like, that is just, 
I don't know if you know this or not, or if it's the same in your culture, but like we don't get to pick our nicknames. Like we just grow up with names. Yeah. That don't always make sense. And I'm like, I have to explain to my wife, like why my tia has called that. Like, I don't like, they just get names. And so yeah. that is the name he chose. And it, it's not a traditional superhero name, but it, it, it seemed to fit him. And so that's, that's his name. Um, and then you have, um, Jessalyn, who the white character, the Caucasian character, um, and you'll notice like she doesn't have like an animal totem that's tied to Aztec culture because one, that felt wrong when yeah. I was working on the story, and then the other part was like she, like her history is not from this part of the world, yeah, and so her totem is a unicorn, yeah, which really fit her. I th I thought both thematically and like her personality, right, and so like the gem adapted to her rather than forcing a, uh, like the culture onto her. Um, and so her full name is Jessalyn Prince and her hero name is Princess Weta, um, <laughs> which translates essentially to princess white girl. Yeah, 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 right? exactly. Um, but in her story, that's essentially the name just like you, like when you were the waiter, like that's what her name was Yeah. at school. Like that's what they called her, right? Like that was her, that's what she was. She went to school with a lot of Latinx children, not a lot of white children. And her last name is Prince. And so, yeah, kids are they're like, hey, there's Princess White Girl. Thinks she's better than us. Um, even though she speaks the language and grew up here, she's not going to be accepted on either side. And so that is yeah. where her name came from. Uh, but yeah, that's, that is her name. That's awesome. No, I mean, it's great. I, when I was reading it, I was like, wait, Tres Leches. Princess Huerta was the one that threw me because I was mm -hmm. like, I, you know, I was never quite sure. I, I mean, I guess I've never been quite sure whether it was like a disparaging kind of remark or like affectionate, like, you know, towards it's, me or anything. You just called me Huero. Kind of... And I was like, okay, like, I'll, I'll yeah. go with that. You know what I mean? Like, that's fine. And yeah, it's just, it's really funny. It, de it yeah. depends. It's one of those words that can be both. Yeah, I guess so. And, and that is the hard part. Like, if it's your friends and if it's people who love you, they'll be like, Huerito. Yeah, and yeah, like, yeah, you know yeah, what yeah. I mean? And so Carlos calls her that. Like, you know, like, um, like, Huerita. Like, that's affection, right? But it can also be, like, speared and it can be, like, pointed and it can be hurtful. So, like, it is one of those words that can be like that. Yeah, it goes both ways. It goes. One of the things I wanted to, well, first of all, like, the look of the book is amazing. Uh, that sorry. is, yeah. Who is the artist on this again? Because I, I got to flip to the first page, but I yeah, was just like, so, I love the look of this book. I'm so glad you brought him up because, so Stefano Simeone, yeah. he taught me how to say it. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I struggled with the book. Um, so like the character designs were done by an artist named Ariel Medell who did a fantastic job just on like the, the flight suits. Sure. Right. The transformations. Um, but when him and I were working on the story together, I hadn't found the, the sort of the way in. And so I took some time off. Um, and I still have those pages and they're great pages, but they weren't the story I wanted to tell. Yeah. And so those are, those got benched. Um, but I kept the designs and then uh, a few years later, I started working on the script again and I'm like, okay, I know my way in now. And I was just kind of going through Instagram, looking at artists, looking, looking at the kind of style that I wanted to capture. And I really wanted something that felt 
like even when it was standing still, it was in motion all the time. Sure. And I came across his work. Um, I think it was on uh, Black Hammer series for Dark Horse. Okay. And it was so like, um, like just it was, it was just so kinetic. I guess is the word I would want to use. Just like yeah, like every picture was just like tones of energy. Yeah. It yeah. Just moves. Yeah. 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 And so I I just messaged him and I was like, look, I don't know. And I had messaged a few other artists who had similar styles and they were, um, some were interested, some were busy. And I was like, okay, well, we just haven't hit on the right person. And then when I saw him, I was like, oh my God, please say yes. Like, like I need yeah. him to say yes. And we talked about it for a while and I told him about the story and he was just immediately all in on it. Like he loved the pitch. Um, I promised him that he could draw zombies. <laughs> that was one of the big stories. I was like, uh, and he was like, I love zombies. I'm like, I, I'm like, what if I tell you, you could do Aztec zombies? He's like, hundred percent. Let's do we're gonna, this. Yeah. We're yeah, going to yeah. do this book. And he brought something to the book that I was not expecting. So in my head, what we have now is not what I was picturing then, but now I can't imagine it any other way. Like when he took it over and he started drawing the pages and like bringing like his, his sense of like, um, like, so the characters, against like the worlds he draws, like the worlds are like, like his perspective and his scale is preposterous. Like, I don't know how he does it. Yeah. And then, but the characters, no matter what they are doing, always seem to be in motion. It reminds me of like, when you watch like those, those Pixar storyboards or those other things, like he just has like this fluidity, um, that is so expressive. Like I, I love working with him and he's just such a great person. Like we become really good friends. I, uh, like when my wife was sick, him and his wife, his wife is also an amazing artist, Nicoletta uh, Balderi, who does a lot of covers and art, um, are just the sweetest people on the planet. Like they sent her flowers when oh, she was wow. sick from Italy. They live in Italy and they sent her flowers. And I'm like, these are really amazing people. Yeah. Um, and so working with him for the past couple of years, developing the book has been a great experience. And he is like, like you said, like his style on the book is um, it's unexpected, but it's also just, it is so easy to, to read and follow. And he does like these, these move through pages that I've never really seen before that, um, catch me off guard every time he does it. Like he interprets that on the pages. Like I don't write that into the script. Like he decides when he's going to do like cool shit like that. Yeah. I mean, just looking at, first of all, the colors are amazing. Like they're just gorgeous. Like mm -hmm. the palette. Everything is great. And the design is fantastic. And I mean, it reminds me a lot of like Marcos Martin or like uh, Rick Leonardi or even like mm -hmm. Steve Rude. Like Steve Rude is a, is a little bit very different. But in the aspect of whatever panel you're looking at, something is happening. Things are moving. Right. Like people can be standing still. And there's like it's a it's a thing that me is like, you know, a, a, a part time artist, you know, is very envious of because I'm like, how do you do that? How do you get that fluidity where it seems like everything is just dynamic and alive and energetic? You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. And it's just, it's just, it's like, yeah, I mean, it was kind of breathtaking when I opened it. I was just like, oh, wow, this looks great. Like, it's just, it's, it's unique into, into and of itself, but it, and it's some, it feels new and fresh, but it reminds me a lot of like, great art artists because uh like the three that i mentioned where you know i would look at it and i'd be like wait 
Like, I love John Byrne. I love, you know, George Perez. But there's something going on on these pages. I don't know what it is, but things are moving and I wish I could do that. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Like, when I – like, I just go back and watch and re-look at his wrestling pages. Yeah. And so so we did stray a little bit from, like, okay, they're not luchador robots. Like, that – like, there was too many things we were trying to do. Um, my – uh, sort of nod to that is that while it, like Elisa, the main character, is the very straight legs character, her day job is she's a luchadora, right? Like, so she's a wrestler. Yeah. For her day job. And like that seemed fun to me and like another aspect to her character. But when I gave those pages to Stefano to draw, like, like it looks like impossible. Like it looks like nothing I've, I've ever seen before and just, just great. Um, storytelling and um, expressionism in his in his in his art. He's just great. It's great. Yeah. I mean, I just when I was reading it, looking at it again this morning, I was like, I got to look this guy up. And I found his Instagram page and followed him immediately. I mean, I was just cool. like, like, do you, is it mostly digital? Like what he's doing? I mean, it looks it. Yeah, he is. Um, I think he's he is primarily digital in his work. Yeah. And um, he does everything. And that was the other part was to have an artist that could, he's like, can I color it too? And I was like, sure, color it too. <laughs> yeah. Sure. So from, from sure. Finish, he is great. And then it was like, he was the, I don't know how, if this has been your experience, but like when you, when you bring somebody onto your project, or your team, and then everything just sort of like falls immediately into place Yeah. after that. And so, um, he took over and started doing the book and then, uh, uh, Buddy Bodwin is the letterer who has to do the challenge of doing it in doing it twice, right? So mm -hmm. he has to letter it in English, and oh, then that's right. it is also available. So the, the one of the things we wanted to do with the book was the goal is to give this to people who don't normally get books for them, right? And so I didn't want to limit the audience by language, and so Battle Max at launch and every issue that comes out is immediately available in English and Spanish. Nice. So, but again, I don't speak. Spanish. Yeah. Um, and so I was referred. There you go. Doing it again. You were finding Gossamer. You were like, uh, I'm going to do a math book, but I don't, I'm I not don't. crazy about math. <laughs> and <laughs> you've got a book that you want to do in Spanish. And you're like, I don't speak Spanish. Dave, you got, you, you've got, uh, self no uh tor i don't know if a challenge <laughs> or torture like what do you want yeah. to, what are you doing um so i was referred to um a young lady named uh paula i'm gonna try to get her name alan araneja Aranega. okay araneja yeah she has done translations for lots of books and she's a great artist and she came on board and she's like oh my god i love this book and she translated it and she has been such a great partner because the changes will come in and she'll translate it by the line and she'll get like, we have to do conversations where there's like some weird American idiom joke um, where she's like, yeah, none of this translates. None of that is. So <laughs> yeah. 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 Whereas if you did it like a literal, like Google translate, it would have just translated the words, but the meaning wouldn't have been there. Yeah. And she goes in and she like translates the sound effects like yeah. down to the, She's like, that's not a sound effect that we would use that would be used in Mexico. You need a different word here. Oh, wow. So, even the sound effect. Wow. Even, wow. Yeah. And so she has been amazing in helping us do that. And then Buddy 
letters it and like re-letters it and gets it done. Um, and so just a great team of people that have contributed to this. Like I got to thank Ron Mars, who has always been like a great help to me, like since we became friends years ago. Yeah. Who, is Ron Mars like, like the Ron Mars? Like, is yeah, that the Ron Mars? Green Lantern Ron Mars. Yeah. Wow. For reals. Wow. Oh, yeah. That's great. Love man. Ron Mars. <laughs> I love Ron too. <laughs> we met years ago. when I, I was never met him, too. but I love his stuff. Yeah. Yeah. You shouldn't. He's, he's a swell fellow. I would and... love to. If he ever wants to come on the podcast, <laughs> I, I am will... more than open to chatting with Ron Mars about whatever <laughs> he wants to chat about. If it's the weather, I don't care. Right. <laughs> I will get him on your show. I promise. <laughs> yeah. We'll see. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we met years ago before I moved to New York, even when he was still at CrossGen. And oh, wow, really? CrossGen? Yeah. That is yeah, old school. A, for real. Yeah. And he, I was working at High Voltage Software, and back then, High Voltage was the studio that did the digital comic versions of CrossGen. Oh, okay. And so that's how I met Ron. And I hadn't done comics yet, right? I hadn't started. I was still working on it. And so I asked Ron if he would read a script for me and like kind of give me feedback. And he agreed. And oh, great. it took a while and it was it was really nice that he bothered to do it at all. And then I went to Megacon and he was gonna be there and he brought the script all marked up, like it was all redlined and notes. But oh. he gave me really good feedback and yeah. he was like, you know, usually I get these and it's very bad news I have to give people. Oh wow. But he was like, I really like you have, you know, a really good ear for dialogue and you know, you just don't understand paneling here and there. And so like, this is how it works. And so he's been there for me since then, like has helped me out to like every now and again, if I need something read or if I need for clarity um, or even just copy editing, he has been like a huge support for me. So I need to give him a shout out for helping me because he's believed in this book since the concept. He's oh, like, you great. need to do this book and you need to get it out. And now he's like a huge supporter of the book. Um, and then um, you've got, you know, my, obviously my wife reads everything. Like she's the first person to read my script and be like, yeah, you need to change that. You need to fix that. Oh, wow. or, or, or this is, or this part is really good. Or I feel like you're not being honest here. And so she, you know, has been huge in making sure the story feels true. Um, I don't want to forget somebody, but like, but that, like, I just have great people who help me like bring like get new people to help me out like um i don't know if you saw but like one of the variant covers for the spanish edition yeah i was gonna bart ask sears, right bart sears like how yeah. the hell did that like i mean yeah <laughs> so i don't know if you grew up with the wizard magazines but like that oh was, yes i did i worked in the comic shop right and so i wanted to be an artist back then and so i would me and my friends would get every month we would do the the brute and babe yeah. know, drawings, right? Trying trying to learn how to draw. And I also met Bart tangentially through like the the cross gen stuff and then through Ron at different shows. And uh we became became friends years ago and I've never had a project to do with him. And I was like, I really want him to do a cover for me. Yeah. And so um and he's just also just just a sweet guy. And he was like, okay, what kind of cover do you want? And I was like, well, I want to do a, a version of like, we have all the characters, but like, it'd be really cool to do an interpretation of 
like what they look like in the 1500s, like what they weren't going to be in like superhero flight suits. Mm. And so like the cover is like the, the Jaguar gem wielder from the 1500s. And so just a little bit more of, of a shapeshifter rather than the, the modern anime style. And so getting a cover from Bart Sears yeah. after growing up, like reading all of his stuff, like that is part of why I'm sort of doing it the way I'm doing it, because I just want to like, work with the people that I've wanted to work with my whole life and just sort of have the most fun with the book yeah. while doing it, you know? Yeah. Bart Sears is one of those guys who like, I don't know. I was just, I I think it was justice league unlimited or something or justice mm-hmm. league. And I was just like, I was like, what is going on here? Like I, all of a sudden it was like power girl was like, wait a minute. Like I was yeah, just like, like, everybody's just flexed, right? Like yeah. Everyone just looks, every and it's muscle. so great. I mean, it's, it, it, it's so of the time too, but I think I saw that post because like, I'm not, I'm trying to stay away from social media as much as possible. Like I'll pop in and like say something and get out. But right. for some reason, I like your posts will come up in my feed, whatever reason that is, we're on the same algorithm and stuff. And I saw yeah. that you posted about Bart Sears and I was like, get the fuck out. <laughs> I was like, that's great. Like Bart Sears. And and I think he did a Kickstarter too, like a while ago and I missed yeah. it. And I was just like, oh man, fucking Bart Sears. Like, that's great. Like he's another one that I was just like, when I, I, it's like, you know, I like to draw, but I don't consider myself necessarily a professional like, you know, I do go to conventions and do tables and stuff, you know, but I look at that stuff and I'm just like the anatomy and everything is just like, so good for you, man. Like, that's awesome. Thank you so much. Yeah. It's been, it's been a, like a blessing and a treat to work on this book and, um, getting to partner with really great artists that I just, some that I've admired for years, like Ron and Bart, and then like sort of like younger artists like Stefano and Nicoletta. We're also doing a cover just so, um, we're going to be attending um, La Mole Con in Mexico for the first time. Oh, like the book cool. will be available um, in March. And so um, Serge Kuna is going to be there also. Oh, wow. And Ron was like, you know what you should do? You should ask Lamole if they, if they, if you could do like a, a special cover and then have Serge do the cover. You'll both be there. It'd be great for the show. And I reached out to Serge and Serge was like, yep, what do you want on the cover? Wow, that's great. And he, he, he nailed it. He did a great boogeyman cover, uh, you know, evil colonizer with his zombies on the cover for Lamole. And so getting to work with these people and the concept just means so much to me. Yeah. That to be able to sort of just have this much fun, but also, I guess, reach the kind of audience, like specifically like you're, I guess I didn't completely realize, but like you are also the audience for this book, like a book that talks about people like us and portrays them as a superhero team, right? Like that's, that's not been a thing I've seen before. And I've also, this is weird. I realized I was doing it. I've never written a superhero comic. Oh, this is that's... my this is my first superhero comic. I've done G.I. Joe and I did Mask, which are adjacent but not quite the same tropes. You yeah, know yeah, I mean? yeah. And so this is my first new comic in at least five years, I think. Like my first new series and my first superhero comic ever. And it gets to be about, you know, Mexican culture and it has luchadors and mechs and like it's just 
everything I love, I get to do it with people I love. And I've just been so lucky. That's awesome. That's awesome. I mean, yeah. I mean, one of the questions for the one of the I have a couple of final questions. I know it's oh, almost been do. an hour. No, take all the time you want. Who designed the owl ship? And is that a is that like a tribute to Watchmen at all? Because I was like thinking, oh, is that like nice? Like when it comes out, I was like, that looks cool. <laughs> I was just, I just like the way that it looked and 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 the design of it. And again, the panel is like the ship is sitting still, but your artist. Mm-hmm. Like it looks like it's in motion. And then I was just like, Oh, is that kind of like a watchman sort of thing? Like night owl. So who designed the owl ship? Was that like, so it- Stefano designed the ship and yeah. what we wanted to do was pick, um, a, an animal that was important to the culture. And sure. so, That's what so we figured. looked up yeah. like images of owl. And so some of the earlier versions looked more, um, similar, I guess, to like the Archie ship. Yeah. And so um, it wasn't an intentional tribute, even though I think it has some memories, but mostly I'll be honest with you. Like I wanted a badass ship for my superhero team. <laughs> sure. Of and course. So we picked, we picked like the, the owl and gave it a name and gave them a base and all of that sort of thing. And so the owl ship, when I, when I sent it back to him and he did it, like he's the one who came up with like the wings Okay. Like, like, like you see, like when the ship comes out, it's like tucked. Yeah. 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 And then as it raises, like the wings unfold. Yeah. And I was like, dude, that's so awesome. I want a toy of this thing or like a model. It's (laughs) so cool. And I don't need any more toys, David. Yeah. (laughs) I've got too many. Like my family's like, you got to stop. And I'm like, I know, I know it's it's... what I need is a bigger house. (laughs) Yeah. Right. My house house is plenty fine. (laughs) It it is my obsession with superheroes and characters and stuff like that. Uh, Yeah. No, I mean, that looks great. I mean, the I loved the the angle like it comes up and I was just like ooh I love the eyes of it and and the mm. brow especially like like <laughs> right. I was just like that is cool um, and then the other question that I that I sort of basically had for you too is so I mean obviously this is like an alternate universe like a different history right whereas mm-hmm. Central America or at least Mexico was not conquered by you know, conquistadors or whatever, whatever. Right. Like, uh, mm-hmm. um, so have you sat down and drawn a new geographical map? Like have you, and then the other question too, that, that I know, I know like years ago in the nineties, like when I want, when I was like dreaming of like someday I'll make my own comic book. The thing mm-hmm. that I love to do was like, and I still love to do is like sit down and create original characters. And I wanted to make like an international superhero team. Right. But mm-hmm. Like this was kind of like before the internet or like when the internet was first starting, I was like, oh man, I'm going to have to do all this research into all these countries. (laughs) Like, you know what I mean? Just to feel like getting it culturally right. Right. So, you know, you've said that you're kind of like third generation, fourth generation, whatever. And then, so I guess it's two different questions. It's not one question. I lied, but it's like, the first thing is like, how much have you broken down the geography and sort of like the political, you know, history of your world and then you know how much research did you kind of have to do into either mexican or just latin culture in general to get what you wanted out of the book um i think those are both great questions and i spent a lot of time doing a lot of different research yeah um so what i did was i i 
I found a site that had sort of the timeline of of um, sort of like Aztec culture. Sure. And sort of like when when and so like seeing when Cortez arrived. And so I sort of drew an alternate timeline that was built. So I sort of built a new history sort of based on his defeat and then also mixing in the part about the supernatural and boogeyman um, stuff. And so what I was, what I'm trying to do with the book is I want it to be influenced by the culture and history, but I don't want anybody to please never think that I'm, I think that this is entirely accurate. Sure. Sure. Uh, sure. Like it's maybe it is closer to like, it's better than like, it's more accurate than say like, you know, some depictions of like Thor and Hercules and things like that yeah. as far as history, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. mythology goes. But my my hope is that what you what is what the book does is that it makes people want to look into what the actual history is. Sure. Because it it's gonna bring up names and themes and ideas that are maybe foreign to um, you know, Western or like American culture and people be like, oh, I wanna know more about like why is the hummingbird important why is the, sure. the jaguar or like what were the original nahuales like all of that stuff like look that up and so i want it to be influenced while not being it's not going to be entirely accurate because we broke history in, yeah. the, in the 1500s um and as far as the world map goes i have a rough geographic uh, map that like will kind of will parcel out pieces of like what the world looks like more as we go through it yeah we drop some hints like when she's talking about the immigration center and like what countries are coming into that immigration center and like um, how new Aslan is this sort of the, this world's version of the new world, like the one that everybody wants to come to, right? Like this yeah, is yeah, the, yeah, yeah. and it's so a superpower. sort of like, yeah, yeah, yeah. it is a legitimate superpower that um, has to deal with this issue. And so it is roughed out. Um, I try not to just like, sort of like the other two characters are roughed out, but that could change as I, as I do more of the storytelling because I'm trying to keep it contained um, because I've, if I don't keep myself contained, I will just spiral out and like do yeah. like side stories about side characters. And uh, I try to uh, keep my focus in there, but I do have a whole Google document with a timeline that sort of describes the, the countries without an actual like, I didn't do a drawing of yeah. the map or like how much of Texas they own. Like, I don't know. That's, I, I mean, <laughs> well, that, that was my question, right? Like, yeah. is Texas still part of me- Is California still part of Mexico? Uh, I'm mm-hmm. fascinated by the fact that there's still a United States in your story. Mm-hmm. Like, you know what I mean? That, that, uh, at some point, you know, the colonizers got North America, possibly Canada. Like, you know what I mean? Right. That, that Mexico did not push back on that or the Aztec call, you know, further right. north, you know what I'm saying? Or the Native Americans up there didn't have whatever it was that you had. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, so I'm right. a nut for that sort of thing. And I'm like, oh, and David's world is like, California <laughs> still in Mexico? Like, which is, you know, whatever. I'm I'm all down with that. Like, you know, yeah. they, like we didn't cross the border. It crossed up. Like, you know what I mean? Like, right. I'm, I'm fine with all that. Like, so I just find all that stuff like fascinating. So in my mind, like, I'm like, Oh, how, how much of, cause like you said, you could just spiral out of control. Like, you know, cause I was thinking like, it was there a world war one? Was there a world war two? What happened during the Spanish American war? What happened? Like, like, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, like I, I would just go nuts. Yeah, so I would just imagine writing that, documents I had to like, I'm like, okay, we can, we will, we will focus in here 
for a while. Yeah. Um, and and then sort of let the the rest of the world kind of unfold yeah, yeah, yeah. as it serves the story. And then um, what I'm my hope is and my goal is our current plan is to just keep doing these. Like it's not a mini series. We just want to keep telling battle mech stories for as long as long as we're able. And that's yeah. the goal with the Kickstarter is um this is just for issue one. Um but we're already working on issue two and the goal is to do maybe another Kickstarter for the third book. So okay. kind of like hop over other ones until we get to like enough to do like a hardcover or whatever. Gotcha. But mostly we're, we're just trying to build an audience around it. And I do think there's an audience to be served by the book and I'm hoping, yeah. uh, I'm hoping that they receive it as well as you do, because it, it makes me so happy that you were excited by the book. I was so nervous sending it to you. You're like the first non team member to read the full book. And I was like, if I go on this interview and he was like, you know, I enjoyed it. I could have said, no. I dude, I well, would have been. <laughs> so first of all, I'm always kind to my, I mean, people take like an hour out of the day, maybe a little more because, you know, is Skype working? What is happening? You, you know yeah. what I'm saying? Like, or, or whatever. Um, but I, you know, like I, I would never blow smoke up your butt either. And, you know, I very much like started reading this and I was like, okay, what is this? Like, what am I getting? Obviously it's anime or Mecca or something. And then as I was going through, I was like, wait a minute. And then I started having kind of like, not the exact same reaction as I did when I saw Blue Beetle because Blue Beetle was more like a, like a family, like, like, oh my God, like this is my family. And you know, people who would look at me would be like, that's not your family. I'm like, no, 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 you don't understand. They made a Vicks VapoRub (laughs) joke. Like that's, that's like part of my family, you know what I'm saying? And so like, but this was more like, oh, the history of like, what if we were, you know, and, and it's surprising because so the Latin population in the world is massive, right? It's the whole, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, if you if you're really looking at it, I mean, we could get into the, the social political like the United States is, you know, doesn't want a superpower on their southern border. So they're, you know, and that's why people are coming across the border because we fucked with South and Central America for so long. I'm not going to get into it, but those are, and those are my opinions, not yours. You know what I'm saying? But Mm -hmm. as I started reading the book, I got like excited because in the way that I did, like I said earlier, when I went to see Black Panther, I was like, oh, we've never seen anything like this before. And I don't think that on the big screen, right? And I don't think that people realize that, right? Like we've never seen an African nation that was never conquered by colonial powers and dragged it like, and and then became its own superpower. So while I was reading this, like I was very much like, oh, like I don't know that anybody's done this concept before. And it got me excited where I was just like, very cool. So, you know, congratulations. I mean, I, I don't think you have anything to be nervous about. Uh, unless they're Fox News viewers or whatever, but screw those guys. Like, who needs that? <laughs> you know. Well, I appreciate all of that so much. You have made a tough weekend way more awesome for me, and it's been great <laughs> being on the show. And I really just can't wait to get it out there. Oh, I should tell you one more thing. That's gonna be. I got so excited about this book, and like I told you, I just wanted to keep doing fun things. Yeah. There's a. There's a a theme song oh for the book that you can like on the kickstarter you'll be able to buy the vinyl record no there's like an way. original theme song written 
uh, by an amazing songwriter singer named uh, Beck Hallcraft, who has done other music, um, and she performed it. And it is also available in like the the B side. There's like the English version and the Spanish version of the theme song. So you'll be able to like listen to that like on streaming soon or buy the vinyl that goes oh, with it. Like, that's will an MP3 just... be available? Like a digital? Yeah, you'll be able to. I think um, yeah, we'll be able to to just sell it like. I'm old school. Yeah. 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 I mean, I have my Spotify, but I still like owning my music and DVDs and stuff like that. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that's awesome. That's a great. So so people can go uh, on Kickstarter now and search for it? Yeah. If you search for Battle Mix on Kickstarter, you can follow for updates. Uh, we'll be launching at the end of February. Um, but if you want to make sure, because there will be some limited items available, like some limited rewards. Um, like Stefano will actually be in the States for the very first time in April. So he'll be attending C2E2 with me. Oh, nice. Um, and so there will be a very limited number of like remarks you can purchase on the Kickstarter that he will do in April. Yeah. Um, so things like that will, I think will go quickly. So that's why if you yeah. want to make sure you're following to make sure you can get like one of the few books that Stefano will touch in the United States because then he has to go back to Italy and then trying to shuttle those books back and forth across the world is not yeah. going to work out for us. Not fun. Not fun. Well, yeah. I, you know, this thing looks amazing and it's Battle M-E-X, not Battle M-E-C-H. It's Battle right. M-E-X. So when you go to Kickstarter, look for Battle M-E-X. And, you know, I can't, you know, rave about it enough. I really enjoyed it. Uh, I appreciate you coming back, you know, onto the podcast. David Alejandro Rodriguez, the book is called Battle Mex M-E-X. Um, when does the Kickstarter, what's the date for the official kickoff? It's February, the current, right? Um, the current planned date um, is February 27th. Nice, nice. Wow, wow. So end of the month. Very cool. Yep. Very smart to get past the Valentine's Day, I will say. <laughs> uh, that's awesome. Yeah, because, you know, you got to spend money on, on your honey on Valentine's Day. Where can Absolutely. people find you online, David? Um, I am on Instagram under Rodriguez Writes. I am still there. I am hoping to transition at some point, but I'm available there under Dave A. Rodriguez. Uh So you can find me there. Um, I think those are the two best ways. And also there's a Battle Mechs Facebook page. Oh, um, nice. To see art previews and updates and vote on what our t-shirt designs should be and things like that. And the Instagram is what? Is it the same as the Twix? Uh, no, that one is uh, Rodriguez Writes. Rodriguez Writes. Okay, I got to make yeah. sure I'm following you on there too. Nice. Okay. Well, you know, congratulations on this and everything looks fantastic. You've got a fantastic crew. I love the concept. I, I love the story ideas. I love everything that you're doing. And it's just like, again, this was the sort of thing, like if you are out there and you are uh, Latino, Latina, Latinx, Hispanic, whatever we're calling ourselves these days, I get confused. (laughs) Um, And you are looking for sort of like the Black Panther equivalent uh, of, you know, comics. This is it. And you can quote me on that. Um, Like, (laughs) I think this is great. And so go to Kickstarter, search Battle Mex, M-E-X. David Alejandro Rodriguez, thank you for your time. Um, I will say that my name is Christian Horn, which doesn't sound Latinx, but it is, but I am. Um, and this is the part-time fanboy podcast. You can check us out on parttimefanboy.com. Our email 
is ptf at parttimefanboy.com. We are still on Facebook. We are still on Instagram. I am no longer on the hellscape that is Twix. Sorry, <laughs> I had to jump ship when the orange Cheeto came back on or they gave permission to the orange Cheeto. Uh, thank you for listening. Please go support Battle Mex M-E-X on Kickstarter. Um, and we will be back soon with another episode. Bye. Bye. Thanks, Christian. Oh,